You are listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at journeycc.net. Today's message is brought to you by Scott McFarland. We hope you enjoy. Good, good morning. Hello, good morning. Can you hear me? Am I on? Let's, uh, let's pray before we enter into God's Word this morning. Jesus, we... We praise you this morning, and we pray that as we look at your words to us this morning, that we would uh, see ourselves in them, that you would uh, transform our hearts and our minds as we listen and sit with you uh, together underneath your word and your authority, Jesus. We, we praise you continually this morning. Ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So yeah, my name's Josh. I lead our student ministry here at Journey Middle School, High School college age, and I'm always happy when I get to sharing God's Word with you guys in the morning. And uh, today we're going to be continuing our series that's called Crossroads, as we look at different intersections that we come to in life and paths to choose. And so today I'd like us to begin a, with a game, a game where you do choose. Have you ever played Would You Rather? All right, so the way we're going to play with all of us together, and even those online, is you're going to hold up, or if you're online, type it in, uh, if you choose option number one or option number two. All right, so here's the first one. Would you rather, option number one, drink coffee or hot chocolate? Coffee. Coffee, hot chocolate. All right, there's, there's a good mix in here, some adults, some kids. All right, would you rather be a driver, option number one, or a passenger? Some of you like to just, okay, if you're the passenger, are you telling the driver how to drive? <laughs> you get, you're responsible for the music, right? Um, would you rather be served or serve other people? Be served, serve other people. Okay, lots of people. I like being, don't you like being served? Does that feel good? I know my, my preset is like, I have to be the one serving though, for sure. I get it. Um, would you rather be consider, considered an adult or a child? An adult or a child? I'm number two. I think all of my student, all of my adult leaders who lead in student ministry put number two as well. <laughs> is there a third option? You'd be a grandparent? I don't know. Grandparent has a pretty sweet gig. Um, Would you rather, last one, would you rather do it all yourself or have someone else do it? Do it all yourself, have someone else do it. Okay, how about about this? Do it all yourself or receive help? Do it all yourself. Lots Lots of you want help. That's great. Some, some of you, not so much. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm the kind of way, I'm a, I'm a perfectionist. I like to do it all myself. Um, and I think our culture teaches us that a lot, that we need to be the ones to do it all and do everything, but also be proud of it. There's so many different ways that we see that, you know, on social media, you see, um, you see that everyone needs to have the best image out there and you need to to provide the best uh, curated content. You know, this is really like this idea of being a performer. And we're proud of being performers. Also, you know, with cell phones and internet, when it comes to work or, or school, we should always be able to find the answer. Or we should always be able to answer the phone call. Or we should always be able to do more work. 
when someone asks you, how are things going, and you respond, oh man, I'm so busy, usually their response is, that's great, good. (laughs) This is part of our culture. In schools, we would rather see perfect attendance in a certain letter grade than improvement for a student. That's what we look at. That's how we judge it. In church, we often share testimonies that are celebratory rather than real life experiences that are still in the works or lament. So grateful for Tony's honest communion meditation this morning. You know, sadly, like I said, this, this, this performance culture, we see it all over the place and it runs deeper than we expect it and it's more far-reaching than we want to admit. I'm part of a small co- cohort of other youth pastors on the West Coast and we're part of a larger cohort across the nation. And some things that we've seen in talking even to our own students is this common narrative that I must always perform. I must always perform for others at all times. Essentially, I have to put on a show. I have to be someone for other people, or I must always get everything done. I must meet all the amazing amount of expectations that are on my life constantly. And sadly, this also moves its way into the church as well. But Jesus didn't call us to be disciples in this regard. And so today I want us to examine this crossroad together. Uh, when, where we choose, do we want to become or will we be a proud performer or a humble child? Uh, this is an intersection that we really have to pause at frequently and decide what we're going to choose. If we follow the way of culture, we follow the way of Christ. You can turn in your Bibles now to uh, Luke chapter 18, where we're going to see two parables that Jesus talks about concerning prayer. And while we look at these two uh, parables concerning prayer, Jesus calls us to put ourselves in the same position and examine our own prayer lives. And what I believe we can see out of this is that the way that we pray can reveal which path we're on, that of the proud performer or the humble child. So would you consider with me this morning how your prayer life might reflect which path you're on? Stay with me. We're, uh, don't jump ahead or don't, uh, don't assume I'm saying something that I'm not, but listen as we go through and really focus on the reflecting part of this. So we're in Luke chapter 18. Luke's in the New Testament. It's the third book of the New Testament. It's about four-fifths of the way through your Bible. Luke Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Luke 18, verse 1 reads this way. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets the justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see 
that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? This first reflection I want us to consider is how often do we look for God's action? How often do you look for God's action? When we look at parables, it's important that we don't fall into the trap of thinking that we need to uh, interpret every little element in them for our lives, because parables usually have just one or two meanings to them. And when we look at this parable, we ask, what is Jesus trying to communicate? He says very plainly in the, in the beginning that he's telling this parable so that his disciples will continue to pray and not give up. He's not saying, I'm telling this parable so that you learn to beat God into submission with your persistent prayers. That's what the unjust judge was worried about. The second thing we look at, we say, where does this parable fit in context? What comes before it in the Bible? What comes after it? And right before it, Jesus is talking about his second coming and how the kingdom of God will fully come one day. And one of those phrases that's really important is when he says the son of man will come. And that's also in this passage that we just read at the end. It says, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So we know that Jesus is encouraging his disciples to continue to pray and not give up in the light that God's kingdom is still coming. There are still things that they're waiting for. You know, when the Son of Man comes, when Jesus comes again, this is a great hope for all Christians. Because right now we have in part the kingdom of God here. We see it and we get little tastes and pieces of it now. For example, like when you see some generous mercy offered to someone or a broken relationship restored or something that's beautiful and transcendent that's created and shared with others. Those are glimpses and pieces of God's kingdom coming here on earth. But what we're looking forward to is when that kingdom is fully here. When Jesus comes again and brings that full kingdom with full justice, full beauty and wholeness and restoration. Jesus says, it's not fully here, but don't give up in praying and looking for it. I don't know a single person who would say that God immediately answers every prayer they pray. If you know that person, let, let me, get, get me in contact with them because I need to learn a few things. I know that many of us have been praying for some really good things, things that would bring God honor, things that would bring God's kingdom here more on earth. We've been praying for them. Maybe it's been days or weeks. Maybe it's been years or decades and we're still waiting for it to come to pass. But Jesus is saying, we must trust that God will act. I have a two-year-old daughter. Her name is Carmen. And something that is beautiful about two-year-olds is how persistent they are. You know a persistent two-year-old? Or someone who was two and persistent? <laughs> Something that happens often with us is she'll get something in her mind that she wants and she'll ask me for it. So she'll just be like, dad, donut. <laughs> and it could be 9 p.m. at night. So reasonably I say, no, not right now. That's not what we're doing. We're going to bed. 
If I'm on my game, though, what I say or do might be something like, okay, we'll get one in the morning. Regardless of what I say, what's really fascinating is that after Carmen says, Dad, donut, please, she starts walking to the door. (laughs) It doesn't matter what I say. She just starts walking. She gets to the door. Come on, Dad. Donut, please, come on. Puts her hand up on the doorknob. She's ready to go. I could be doing anything else but going to the door, and she's still like, come on, let's go. Like, I said it. We're going to do it. Let's go. There's an innocence and a hopeful expectation that her dad is going to do it for her. She can't get a donut without me. She knows it. But I'll tell you what, if I left the door open, she would figure out a way to go get it herself. I wonder if Jesus is saying the same thing to us here. That we need to be praying and looking with a hopeful expectation that God will act. But then again, there are those times where we're not sure if dad's coming along for the ride or not. And we want to go out that door and get to the donut shop ahead of him on our own. It's a tough spot to be in. But there's those times where we take the step on the road of the proud performer. We say, I'm going to do it all myself. What's interesting is that Jesus doesn't say to just stop and wait. He says, pray and don't give up. It can be difficult sometimes to have this hope-filled expectation Because what can be just a day to God could be a thousand years to us. Just like what could be 10 seconds of me getting on my shoes could be an eternity to Carmen. So do you find yourself praying and expecting or do you find yourself naturally just going and doing? I'm not saying, and Jesus isn't saying either in this, Just stop and do less and don't do anything and just pray and that's all you need to do. That's not what's happening here. He's not saying, what he's definitely not saying is just go out and do it all on your own. What he's saying is how can you go about what you're doing with a hopeful expectation that God will act, that God's going to make these things happen, these good things happen. One question that we could ask is, is how is God bringing his kingdom already rather than me being the one who does it? And this is difficult to do because there's so much that needs to be fixed in this world. And there's so much that we see and there's so many responsibilities that we have and things that we need to take care of. We have to provide for our families. We have to make sure there's a secure home and place for them. We have to take care of our jobs or our finances. We have to put food on the table. We have, there's beautiful things that we can do in creating things, of building better lives, of, of creating new things in the world. There's bad things in the world that we can seek to, to bring justice to and to fix and to correct And all of these things are God honoring to do. 
They're bringing God's kingdom here and now, but you can still do that as a proud performer. Are you following with that? See, the proud performer is not like the widow. She doesn't pause and pray for God to act. Instead, she moves quickly to act on her own. I must perform. I must succeed. I must do this to be right and to be accepted. It's all on me. Or maybe the performer is, maybe the performer is someone who always does it. They actually do it well. They actually get it done. But then there's those who don't who are still performers. And we can quickly go to hide our failures because we care so much about being right. Can you see yourself in this? Sometimes we push through long hours at work or we, you know, we, we rack up the debt on our credit cards because we have to be the ones to do it. Never asking all the while, how is God acting in this situation? When I'm trying to provide peace and security and stability to my family, how does God want to provide that for our family? Again, I'm not saying that we're not doing anything, but how can we prayerfully move into those situations, into those decisions? Do we do so humble and dependent upon him? Or are we just looking out for numero uno? It's difficult to pray this way. And my question is, like, how often do we actually pray this way? How often do we look to discover where God is acting and moving and already bringing his kingdom in this world? Where is he bringing justice already and wholeness and restoration and beauty? Are we looking for his performance or our own? You see, when we look to God to act, he's the center of the story. But when we don't wait, when we don't pause, we're on the main stage. That's too much pressure for me. It's too much pressure for you. I'll tell you right now, I'm too broken to be able to do that myself. I want us to look at this second parable that Jesus tells. Verse 9 in Luke 18. To some who were confident of their own righteousness... That's the performers who think that they can do it all. If you didn't like my first point, then this is very much for you. Jesus is progressing as he's telling these, right? He's, he's telling these back to back on purpose. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, ugh. Or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The second reflection to consider is how deep do we need God's grace? How deep do you need God's 
grace. Again, this is an extension from the first. God's telling these stories back to back. And he ends the, the first parable by saying, will the Son of Man find faith on earth? He tells this second story, here's what faith looks like. And if you've been around the church for a while, I'm sure you've heard this parable before. And it's quick and easy to understand that it's the Pharisee who's the proud performer who is not justified. He is not the one with faith. However, what's interesting is that he lists all the qualities that we strive for as Christians. We strive to live, to live unquestionably moral lives, to have consistent spiritual practices, to give a lot to the church. Both men want to be accepted by God. Don't miss that. Both men want to be accepted by God. However, one looks to his own performance while the other looks to God's performance for that accept, accepting. The road of the proud performer means that <laughs> you try to earn your, your acceptance and you don't need to pray. You don't need God because you can do it all yourself and that's what our culture teaches us. And oftentimes, we show that in the church as well. We expect happy people who can get the job done, who hide their blemishes or faults, who often construct their lives to look perfect, especially on social media. <laughs> we have to look like we have it all together. Now, this Pharisee, he may have had it all together. He could have. All that stuff he said could have been true. We don't get to fully know that, but that's not what it's about. It's not about what he's doing. The point that Jesus is making is which is accepted by God. Which person acknowledges that they need God in order to be accepted. Look at the tax collector. He, he knows he needs God. He's probably the richest person in that story. He was stealing from all of his friends, overcharging. He's probably the richest person there. He did not need God for security. But he knew there was something deeper that he looked at and saw that he needed God. He stood off away from other people, beat his chest, wouldn't even look up. I am a sinner. Have mercy on me, God. Do we pray this way in public? Do we pray this way even in our small groups? Probably not often. I wonder why not. I wonder how many people are in church or even here this morning who feel this way but don't feel like they can show this. I wonder how many people aren't in church this morning because they feel this way but don't see anyone else in church feeling this way. The road of the humble child expresses intense need and dependence, something that's just, it's contradictory to our culture. We can't show that we need. We can't show that we're depending on something or someone else. Isn't it refreshing though the honesty of children? 
one of you know America's favorite TV shows of all time. Kids say the darnest things, right? It's wonderful. It's beautiful to see. It's a lot of fun too. Before I was here at Journey, the church that I worked at, I did fifth through eighth grade ministry, and there was a lot of honesty in middle schoolers. Tell you what. Remember the first time I was 24, I asked them, how old do you think I am? They were like 58. <laughs> I, st- I had more hair than this then. But something happens is that it, as, as middle schoolers or as elementary age goes into middle school and middle school goes into high school, I see more and more walls put up. I see more and more performance. I see more and more smokes and and mirrors. I see it's honestly, it's more and more adulting. We feel like that's what we need to be as adults, that we need to get it all together and have it all together and be perfect and do it all. And I'll be a little frank that that's a failing for us as adults. That's a failing for me even as a student pastor. We live too much of our lives as performance, as performers. We don't show enough of our brokenness. It might sound harsh, but don't get, don't get me wrong. I am empathetic because I am there too. Our culture is seriously relentless on this. This is an intersection, a crossroad that we have to navigate, not just like once in a while on big things. This is something, not, the, not just once a week. It's multiple times a day, maybe even every hour that we have to navigate. Am I going to put on a performance or am I going to be real? Am I going to be a proud performer or am I going to be a humble child? But as Christians and more mature followers of Christ, adults, I'm, I'm talking to you right now. We have to get this right. We have to be better at this. We have to be more broken, more transparent about it. And, and there's still discernment in this. We still have to discern how much do I share? We still have to discern how vulnerable can I become? We still have to discern how, what the appropriate boundaries are. We still have to, have to decide and discern if I share my mistakes, does that give my kids license to do the same or others permission to do the same? It's difficult to discern that, but on the other hand, we have to discern a question that I don't think we ask very much of. If my kids don't see me needing God's grace, will they think they need it? If my friends and family don't see me broken, but fully loved and accepted and known by the God of the universe, will they see their need for redemption and acceptance and love through Jesus? See, our prayers can reveal our heart and challenge us to consider what road are we really on. The Apostle Paul was great at exemplifying this. He, before he, he turned to Christ, he was actually a persecutor of the church. And he killed Christians. And he wore his heart on his sleeve even after he started following Jesus, even after he started 
planting churches and being a missionary and traveling, traveling in, the, in, the, in Europe and in Asia Minor. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says, therefore I will boast more gladly about my weaknesses. Who likes to boast? Would you rather boast about your weaknesses or success? <laughs> I will boast about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in my weakness. What? I delight in my weakness. In insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. He later says that God's grace is sufficient for me. How deep and transparent do you need? Transparently, do you need God's grace? Do your prayers show that? Do your prayers show that you're proud in your performance or in God's performance? We're going to close up by looking at a couple final verses here in Luke 18 verses 15 through 17. I don't know exactly how this happened because I wasn't there, but there's a reason these things come after each other right here in the Bible. And I would think it's probably fair to say that what we're going to read now was probably happening and the reason why Jesus told these parables. Verse 15, people were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Imagine that happening in that moment and Jesus telling these parables to tell these people, wake up. This is why I think it's such a, this is a good title to call us and to look for, to travel the road of the humble child. See, it's on that road, it's only on that road that the kingdom of God can actually fully come. Because it's only on that road that we allow God to be king. We desperately need, desperately need God to be king like babies desperately need their parents. And we desperately need to be okay with being humble children. I'm not saying do nothing, non-growing children. I'm saying humble children who are mature Christians. If you're tracking so far with me and you allow me to be a little vulnerable and hopefully you might be vulnerable too, maybe you have a similar experience Maybe it's, a, it's an experience that you could share with someone else after service or with a family member or, or kid. When I was in college, it was my senior year and it was the worst year of my life. Up till then and since then, it's been the worst year of my life. It was hard. I was tired. I had a bad relationship. I would constantly leave class. I couldn't make it through classes. I would go into the bathroom and cry or call someone or just need to go for a walk. I just couldn't sit through a class. I'd often call my dad. And this one day I left in the middle of the class and I called my dad. And he gave me some advice that, that changed my life. That it's, it's empowered me since then. I still think of it. I still need it. 
I called him and I said, Dad, I can't do this anymore. I still feel like a little kid. I'm supposed to be an adult. I can't handle this responsibility. I want someone else to make these decisions for me. You know what my dad said? Me too. I still feel that way. There's someone in your life who, know, who needs to know that you feel that way too. And there's somewhere in your life where you need to ditch the proud performer and become the humble child. Where is that? You see, Jesus was the humble child. He left his father in heaven to live a perfect life on our behalf, to die for us so that we might be accepted by the father. This is the good news that we can't perform enough to be accepted. All we can do, all we can do is be humble children who accept the love of God in our lives, who accept salvation through Jesus and redemption through him. Here are some practical ways that, that I hope that you might experiment with. As you go about your week, look to pause more often and ask, where are you at in this crossroad? One, you could practice confession, maybe in your own personal prayer life, or maybe you can practice confession with a small group of close, trusted individuals. Really understand your own desperate need for, for God's grace. You could also ask a family member, this is something Liz and I practice pretty frequently, to just pray for an area of weakness at the moment. Babe, I need, I need prayer with this right now. Be vulnerable. Another way that you could try this out is before you act, before you do something that you know needs your attention, simply pray. Even if it's something simple, simply pray. Pause and pray and ask God to act. Ask God, where are you working? Where is your kingdom coming right now? It could be as simple as when you have to have a conversation with a coworker, when you have to bring something up to a, to a spouse or kid, when you need to go to the grocery store and you're tired, like whatever that is, God, where are you working right now? Lastly, while we pause and we look for God to act, we can practice thanksgiving and praise because we know that God will act and that he's acting already. I hope that we can lead the way in vulnerability and reliance on God because when we do that, as mature Christians, when we do that, we make space for others to turn to God, to see the grace of God despite our brokenness. As we go, consider this, the way that you pray reveals which path you want and who you're trusting most, God or yourself. Let's pray. Jesus, we praise you for being the humble child who would make space for us and make it so that we might be accepted at the throne of God. Jesus, it's because of you we can be fully known by our creator and fully loved and accepted and invited into his family. We praise you for that, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you 
Help us to know that in the depths of our hearts that we might be vulnerable. Know your grace more and more. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. If you would like to support us as we pursue God and love people one at a time, please consider a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeycc.net slash giving.